No, I'm excited for today because I believe that, you know, I grew up in a, in a church where it was kind of more structured to where worship was there to prepare you to hear a message. And that, but what we try to do is pray through every service, Lord, how do you want to be glorified and what do you want to do in and through each one of us? And so today I believe the message is here to prepare us for a time of worship and praise. And so that's why we're starting this way. And there's always looking at the different ways, God, what do you want to do? What is it that you want us to focus on and what is the best way to get there? And so that's why we're doing that uh, today. So again, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And um, so we are on a series called The Journey of Becoming His. How many of you are on a journey? Oh, I'm sorry. Do not raise your hand. Um, my key advisor, a.k.a. Tamar, my wife, um, is working with me, and so I'm currently in an accountability track. Um, I am a recovering, asking you to ha- raise your hand every five seconds in my messages person. Uh, she, it it kind of can come across like an insecurity of mine. I want you to know it's more based out of wanting you to be involved. I want to connect. And so it's like, let's do this together. Raise our hands and talk and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm going to try to cut it down to maybe, I don't know, hun, what is it, three times? Oh, up to five. Five times total um, in a service. And so that, that last one did not count, okay? Because I stopped you halfway through. So that is not one of the five times I'm going to have you raise your hand. Uh, I, but I, we want to be, the idea with City Harvest is that it's not a few rock stars, clearly, because I'm up here, but it's not a few rock stars that are up on a stage performing and giving the information, and your job is just to sit there and receive it. Number one, we're a family. Number two, God's desire isn't to do something so much more powerful in me than he wants to do in you. He's called each one of us to something. He brought us through different things in our life, as we're going to even see today, because he wants to use those things for his glory, and he wants to use those things in and through your life to minister to others. So every single one of us in this room is a leader. Every single one of us in this room, as we're, again, man, I am just off the cuff setting up the best message preparation for what I'm doing. Every single one of us is called to be a priest. That was his idea from the very get-go, is that we would be a kingdom, a group, a family of priests, and that it wouldn't just be left to a couple people. And so each one of us in that, and so we want to have that engagement to break us out of that there's one person who's the minister and the rest of us are just spectators or just receiving. Because God wants to work through each one of us today. So I believe even as we go back into worship today, that God might put something on your heart for someone else in the room. Where he challenges you to want to to, to go pray for them. Or maybe you have a word of encouragement for them. Or maybe he puts a verse um, on your heart and you're scared about it. You know, there's nothing wrong with just saying, hey, I just got to be obedient to what God told me to do. You know, you pray about this if this is really for you. But here's what I'm feeling in stepping out in that. Okay, but that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, clearly. But so the journey of becoming his, we got that far. That's only half. We got as far as halfway through the series title. Um, And we're going from bondage to freedom. Each one of us is going from bondage to freedom. That's what God's trying to take us from. What's the bondage? 
The bondage is things that have taken place in our life. Okay, we are, I, this is, get ready. Get your arm ready. Start loosening it up. Okay, we need participation. How many of you have had, in your childhood to now, something happened to you where someone else inflicted pain, abuse, something like that on you? That's a bondage. Because it's something that it grips us. And if it's not, if we can't process it with the power of God, so not just in our own strength, but really be able to allow God to come and bring healing, those things, they'll affect us. They affect the way we trust other people. They affect what we get involved in and what we don't get involved in. Those things have impact on us. Bondage is also our own decisions. How much, how likely we are, you know, to just be selfish and make bad decisions. And so we're, we're bound by our own sin. But he wants to take us to freedom. Freedom from those past hurts. Freedom from our selfishness. Freedom from those things, those, those things that have been binding us and holding us down. He wants us to bring us to a place where we're free. Not in our own power, not in our own strength, but in the strength of Jesus in us and what he wants to do through us. All right. The winds, the heart of this series. One is to bring the Bible alive. So let's start with this. If you need a Bible today, because we're going to be opening the Bibles, you don't have one on your phone and you forgot to bring one, will you raise your hand? The ushers have some Bibles. Anybody here need a Bible? Keep your hand up if you need a Bible. Just keep it up. Don't worry about it. Just know the Bible we're passing out is better than the Bible everybody else has. And so you're actually really blessed today. So keep your hand up until you get one. Um, So we want to bring the Bible alive. That the Bible isn't just a book that somebody talks to us about, but it's something that's coming alive to you and to I. We want to create a panoramic view of the Israelites' journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. How many of you have ever felt, number two, how many of you have ever felt like the Bible sometimes a little confusing and you get lost in like the, it's almost, you know, the whole, like it's hard to see the forest when you're in the trees. That sometimes when you're in the verses, it's hard to actually get the bigger picture. Anybody? Is that just me? Did I just, did I just waste a hand raising? Seriously? Work with me, people. Come on. We're a team. Yeah. Okay. So we want to get that overall thing so each one of us understands it. That each one of us knows what's taking place there. Create the correlation between the Israelites' journey. This is where it gets a little bit painful. Create the correlation between the Israelites' journey and our own journey. Not only God's desire to take us from bondage to freedom. Amen to that. We're all good with that. But also our response in between those two stages. The Israelites weren't the only ones that had an attitude problem, that had a doubt problem, that had a trust problem. We also, you and I, encounter that same thing. And then also, we want to motivate that each one of us gets in and reads that portion of Scripture that week looking for the character of God. If you did not see the Going Deeper post last Sunday night, if you did not get that, then please make sure you talk to Brittany in the lobby after the service so that you can get that. There's another um, video that's different than the one we're going to watch today on um, going deeper that kind of just brings it alive. It's another way for us to see 
uh, uh, the greater picture, the overarching of, um, of what God is saying in this portion of scripture. Okay, we're going to do a quick review. Genesis chapter 12 through 50. Let's fly through it. Uh, number one, God wanted to create... He, he, had, he had tried to create um, uh, this, you know, in the garden. He wanted to dwell and um, man and woman mess up and create a separation there. So now here he is again. He's trying to create a family that wasn't going to be his special family because they're so amazing. People, this family that God chose is dysfunctional, just like you and I, hopefully a little worse than you and I. No, they're, they're messed up. Now, they had moments and times of where they walked in great faith, but they also tried to do things in their own strength a whole bunch of times. So it wasn't that they were perfect or rock stars. It was that God wanted to reveal himself to the rest of the world through them. So they weren't chosen for how amazing. They were chosen because God just decided this is who I want to work through. And he's, trying to, he's saying the same thing to you and I. He wants to work through us to show, to reveal himself to others. So they were going to be the family of God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were extremely dysfunctional. And they did things in their own strength, but also walked in faith. And then through Joseph being um, sold as a slave, they end up in Egypt. And through the famine, they end up there. They're there now for 400 years. Brings us to Exodus 1 through 18 that we went through last week. I saw three main things in that portion of Exodus 1 through 18. Number one, God multiplied the Israelites and made them powerful in the midst of hardship. God can still work through you and I even when we're going through a struggle. He can still bring about blessing and he can still strengthen us even though we think our life is bound up and things aren't happening. He, can, he is still there and he can still be working in the midst of that. The other one, God uses our past and believe it or not, even our mistakes. So not just the things that happen to us, but the mistakes, the things that we actually chose to do, he will use those things. Moses, here he is, he's there, and he takes matters into his own hands. It actually says that when he sees this, this guard uh, beating and, and being really harsh to, to this Israelite, that Moses went up there and actually says that he looked around to make sure no one was watching. He knew what he was about to do. He knew he would get in trouble if he did it. You and I have probably all done something like that, where we looked around to make sure no one was watching. And then he goes and he kills the man. He buries the body in the sand, hoping that no one sees. Later on, he sees two Israelites arguing and he goes up to them and is like, come on, buddies, we're all friends, we're family. Chill out, just, just use your words. They look at him and they're like, oh, who made you all high and mighty? I saw you kill that other guy. He realizes that the word's gotten out. So then he runs and he goes to Midian. So I got this, not because I need to hit something, but let's look at the map if we got that. Okay, so roughly, Moses is up in this area, okay? He kills a guy out of the, his own strength because he's, he's, he feels like he's taking, he knows he's, I believe that he felt in his spirit that he was going to be a redeemer for the people of Israel. I believe he felt God was going to do something inside of him. 
And I believe many of us in this room, we can feel that, this kind of this burning inside of us. What's important, though, is that we wait for God's timing. We don't just get the what, but we, we wait and we're patient. We ask God when, how, and, and we ask God the details so that we do it in his power. So Moses is here. This is all Egypt over to here. This is now Israel up in here. So Moses takes a trip, just a little casual walk. Um, you know, it's crazy. I mean, you know, I'm trying to get 10,000 steps on my, on my watch. Well, that would get me from like here to about there. So he goes from here. He goes down to Midian. What's interesting is he walks through. So this is the desert that the Israelites were in. Through this, him escaping, he goes and he goes through the very areas that God is going to take him through later on. So then he's here. Then later on, years later, he's, he has his sheep. And he's down in this lower area of where they say Mount Sinai was. And he's with his sheep. That's where God appears through a burning bush and begins to speak to him through that bush. So he then goes back to Midian, talks to his father-in-law, says what's, what's going to happen. He has this whole argument with God about... Um, uh, whether or not he can talk and whether or not God should use him. God says, don't worry, I'm going to bring Aaron. Aaron's going to meet you down here. So then, and you need to go back to Egypt. So he comes all the way back down to this area, meets up with Aaron, and then goes back to here. Isn't it interesting that in his own attitude, in what he did in his own strength, he had to run from getting in trouble in the very areas that he ran through and then dwelled in for around 40 years is the very areas that then God took him to lead the Israelites through those areas. How does that relate to you and I? You and I have things that take place in our life which puts us on a journey and a path. God then will redeem that and he will then take us back and he will use those areas and what we experience in those areas for his glory. Yes. And he's using that in that way. Thank you for the big shout out over there. I appreciate that. <laughs> the journey to the last one, the journey to freedom is um, the journey to freedom still has hardships and difficulties. So many times we think that, well, if God's taking me from bondage to freedom, it should just be a piece of cake. This should just, it should be smooth sailing. Like, you know, I came to the altar and I said, Jesus, I'm yours, you know. I want to follow you all the days of my life. And why is it that I still have to pay bills? And why do I still have to work? And why is it that when I eat whatever I want, I'm gaining weight? And why is it that my car still runs out of gas? And why is it that my neighbors are still rude to me? We still experience things in our life. The question is, we don't, we don't put our trust in Jesus so that our life goes perfect and we don't have issues. That's not faith. We put our trust in him to trust his guidance in spite of those things that take place. What we see here with the Israelites is Moses comes, he goes to Pharaoh. First thing Pharaoh does is say, okay, I'm going to make the Israelites work harder. So here, they're now beginning the process to get to freedom. They're now having to work harder. So they start grumbling. And they're now mad at Moses. Why'd you do this? 
Then in uh, chapter 13, it even says how when they were going to go, God was going to could have taken a, a shorter a shorter distance, but it would have taken them through the Philistine territory. And he didn't think the Israelites had enough faith to be able to to deal with a battle. Again, relates to you and I. There's many times where we're frustrated. Man, I believe God called me to this, and I don't understand why I don't just get to take this freeway. I just want to get on, just get on the freeway, drive there 80 miles an hour, get to my destination, and instead God has you driving through the mountains. Sometimes it's not just because he forgot. It's not because he gave you the wrong GPS coordinates. It's because... Your and I's maturity isn't ready to deal with what we might encounter. So he has to take us through things to cause us to become more like him and to to go through that. And so sometimes the delay isn't an actual attack from the enemy. I believe that, you know, I think sometimes maybe half of what we are praying and casting the devil out of our own life is actually the work of God in our life trying to help us and here we are and he's like oh if you only knew you know precious 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 you're so sweet and naive but no that's not what I'm you know he's up to something and he's trying to to take us somewhere as soon as they saw the Egyptians chasing after them doubt came to them and and they started to worry and it goes on and on so just because he was taking the freedom doesn't mean that hardship wasn't going to be there. So today, the journey of becoming his from bondage to freedom, we're looking at Exodus chapter 19, verse 40, or 19 through 40. Now let's take a look at, uh, at this video. I just want to promise you that this one is not as gruesome as last week's. Um, yes, it was a little bloody and it was a little violent. Um, this one isn't like that, so I apologize if it was a little too much, the, the fangs on Pharaoh's teeth, or it just, it was an intense, it was an intense video, but let's watch this one, it's really good. The first half of the book of Exodus tells the story of ancient Israel being rescued from slavery, and when people say the Exodus story, those are the chapters they're referring to. But the book has a second half, where Moses gives the Ten Commandments to Israel, along with these instructions about building a sacred tent. And what links these two halves together is this crucial story. The people of Israel, they're out in the middle of nowhere. They find themselves at the foot of this mountain called Sinai. And here, God's presence comes dramatically down in the form of a violent storm cloud. Now let's stop a second and talk about this concept of God's presence, because it's really important for the rest of the book. At the beginning of the Bible, in the Garden of Eden, humanity... The first half of the book of Exodus tells the story of ancient Israel being rescued from slavery. And when people say the Exodus story, those are the chapters they're referring to. But the book has a second half, where Moses gives the Ten Commandments to Israel, along with these instructions about building a sacred tent. And what links these two halves together is this crucial story. The people of Israel, they're out in the middle. trying to deliver them through that process you have all these things of these different attitudes that take place and where God's trying to pull them out of something and the way they respond is a lot of times just like the way you and I respond they now find themselves if you remember on the map they find themselves at what is known as Mount Sinai okay this is where Moses has already been there twice 
that we know of where God has spoken to him. This has now taken about two months into the journey from the time they left. So how long have they been camping? Um, Anybody here camped for two months? Okay. I can't wait until we get to the book of Numbers because I'm so excited. I love talking about how many people were there because I love to imagine because a lot of times we think of, you know, it's like going on a church family camp is basically all they did. And I don't understand why they had so many issues and why was Moses so cranky and everyone was just so bent out of shape. Ladies and gentlemen, Moses was taking the entire Portland metropolitan area on a camping trip. We can't, in the Portland metropolitan area, agree on one single thing. So how in the world was that going to happen on a camping trip? Man, I tell you what, camping brings out the best and the worst. Forget camping, just any kind of vacation, any kind of trip. Anything that takes us out of our comfort of our own brings out some crazy stuff. And that's what was taking place there. So here, some main points of this, um, of what we're, we're looking at in, in chapters uh, 19 through 40, is God wants to dwell with his people, okay? That is the main thing. God wants to dwell with his people. You know what's amazing about that? God still, finish it with me, wants to dwell with his people. Let's make it personal. God wants to dwell with me. God wants to dwell with us. That's what's taking place through this portion. Is he wants to dwell with his people. But there's an issue. The issue is us. Is that our rebellion gets in the way. Newsflash is that it is not only between the ages of 13 and 18 that we rebel. I was telling somebody the other day that I had six kids, and um, what was it? Oh, I said, I, I, I have six kids, and I said, yes, it was on purpose. And then I said, it was this group of people, and then I said, um, and I still like them. And someone shouted out, are any of them teenagers yet? And... Um, I don't know if I shouted back. I don't forget what happened. But point, you know, we, we think of uh, teenagers, and I apologize to you guys, really. Um, yes, you are extremely rebellious, but we still love you. Is We all have rebellion. Rebellion is basically when we're not putting trust. What's happening when I was a teenager was I thought I had it figured out. What was my rebellion is I thought I had a better way. And I thought I had it figured out. What's happening with my kids they think they have a better way. You don't, okay? Um, and they think they, they, they have it figured out in that. So God wants to dwell with us, his people, but our rebellion gets in the way. We see in Genesis, we see how we handle, again, it's we, it's not just them, how we handle God's freedom and promises on our own. Genesis is full of where God tried to give people freedom and he spoke promises over their life and we see dysfunction after dysfunction because they're handling it in their own strength. God gives you and I freedoms and he gives us promises but when we take our own 
attitude onto it and our own strength onto it, mess-ups take place. In Exodus, we see how we handle his desire to free us from bondage. In Exodus, is all about now freeing. He's trying to help them. I forget what animal it is, but I think you take any animal, you put them in a frightful situation, and you know, I go to a lot of house fires, and you try to get um, a cat or a dog away from a, a home fire where they're in there and they've been freaked out, and you try to grab them, you're trying to help them. They don't just then melt in your arms like, oh, thank you. Yes, carry me to safety. They are freaking out. They're scratching you and clawing at you because they're panicked. And we can act the same way many times. So regardless of which is more like you, surrendering your will and trusting God is a challenge for each of us. That's what God's trying to get us to do. Surrender our will and trust in him. Surrender our will and trust in him. Surrender our will and trust in him. And it's not just a one-time thing where we get a quick download. It is a lifelong process of doing that. Question to consider, what are you choosing to dwell on and complain about instead of trusting God? Mm. That was really good, Pete. Mm, Deep. Yeah, ooh, be careful. So think through that. What is it? Just like the Israelites What is it that we're dwelling on? Are we dwelling on the fact that we just had to make more bricks? Are we dwelling on the fact that the Egyptians are now chasing us? Are we dwelling on the fact that we don't think there's water? Are we dwelling on the fact that we think we're going to run out of food? Are we dwelling on the fact that we're wandering? Are we dwelling on the... What is it that we're choosing to dwell on instead of what God is doing in our life? The other one, in what ways are you getting impatient in creating your own instant gratification? So here we see what you would have already seen in the video, but cliffhanger, you don't even know what's going to happen. So they're at Mount Sinai. God's saying in chapter 19, if you will turn to Exodus chapter 19. So in the Bible, you start at the beginning. You got those pages that give a whole bunch of credit and a whole bunch of numbers where they revised it a whole bunch of years and dates, and it goes to the table of contents. Then it's going to go to the Genesis, not the Genesis, kind of like the social media. Just, just It goes to Genesis, the book of Genesis, and then the next one is Exodus. Then you kind of follow the numbers. The numbers aren't special. They're just there to help us find things. So chapters just help us know instead of if it was just the book of Exodus. And it's like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, nine, ten pages kind of in, and you go down to like the fifth paragraph on the 21st page. Um, so we, we find it this way with chapters and verses. So Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 through 6 says, Then Moses climbed the mountain and, um, to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. So this is the family of God. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. Okay, remember your past. Remember your testimony. Remember what I've taken you from. So you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Figurative. You have seen how I cared for you, how I protected you, how I took you out of an impossible situation, and I carried you to this point that you're at. 
Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure among all the peoples on the earth. So it's not just because you were born into this family, you are my special treasure. You are this. It's if you will keep this covenant. If you will keep this. For all the earth belongs to me and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give the people of Israel. Then later on, the people, he goes, he gives the message and they say, yes, we'll do it. We want to keep the covenant. We want to do this. Yes, we remember what he did. Forget the fact that we are mad about the bricks. Forget the part that we started freaking out when we saw the Egyptians. We're, we're, we're game. I'm good. I'm ready now. I just, I had a couple bad days. I just wasn't feeling well. My mind wasn't clear, but I'm, I'm all in. I'm ready to go for this. They say, yes, we will do that. And you see that in verse uh, 7 through the beginning of 10. So then God tells Moses, tell them to go prepare themselves. Because I'm going to come and I'm going to speak. So prepare themselves. We should not enter the presence of God casually. That's why we do atmosphere prayer at the beginning of a service or before we go into praise. It's because we do not want to take the presence of God for granted. We want to make sure we're right. That we don't just jump into, you know, singing, Lord, you're amazing. And God, come and do this for me. But yet we're carrying unforgiveness. We're carrying bitterness. We're, 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 we have lust, which, ladies and gentlemen, lust is not just sexual. It's anything that we're, we're going after, craving something and wanting something else to fill a need inside of us. Quick overview. Chapter 20, God gives the Ten Commandments. They're originally given verbally, and he said them out loud. Then chapter 21 through 23, you'll be able to read this this week. There's more instructions giving. Then in chapter 24, Israel accepts the covenant, and, and, and God writes on the first set of tablets. little thing you'll read in there is God... It's not in a lot of the photos we see of Moses holding the tablets. He actually wrote on both sides of the tablets. All this time we've been deceived by the media and the drawings that somehow there was five commandments on this stone and five commandments on this stone. Ladies and gentlemen, there were two stones and it was double-sided. Duplex copying did not just take place in the modern age. God started it right there on Mount Sinai, front and back. I don't know if he flipped it short edge or long edge when he did it, but he did flip the tablets. All right, then you see they're preparing themselves, and God says, I'm going to come down and I'm going to speak. I want to meet with you guys. He prepares the people are ready for it. They're, they're going through these three days of, of setting themselves apart and all this stuff. 
Moses goes up in the mountain. There is a cloud that they've already experienced when God first verbally gave the Ten Commandments. And it freaked them out. And so then they're like, no, Moses, we don't want to be involved in that. You go talk to God. Then you come. There was a fear of the Lord that fell on them. But here in this moment, Moses is going up there. That cloud's there. They know what the cloud is. They know what's going on because they just spent three days like almost like fasting and prayer, getting ready for God to come and speak and for his presence to come. Moses goes up there. He's up there for a period of time. They get impatient. Real impatient. Please remember again that they can just turn and see the presence of God on the cloud. They can see it taking place. I don't know how many of you guys looked east last weekend and you could see the smoke. They could see the presence of God. They knew it was there, but yet they were impatient. They knew where the presence was. They were impatient and they went and broke two commandments right off the get-go. They made another God and they created an idol. Right off the get-go, Moses comes down and he sees them worshiping this golden calf that they formed out of all of their jewelry. That's where we go to that second question we asked ourselves. Is in what ways are we getting impatient in creating our own instant gratification? That's exactly what the Israelites did. They got impatient. They started saying, why is Moses taking so long? He maybe got lost on the mountain and is he coming back? So then they go and create their own instant gratification. How many of us wake up in the morning and instead of opening the Bible, first check the news? How many of us wake up in the morning and instead of prayer, Jamie, were you raising your hand? Was that confession time? Okay, just, hey, I just want to give you opportunity if that's what was going on. How many of us wake up in the morning and instead of having a conversation with God, we begin to look on social media just to see what's going on. How many of us, instead of submitting our day before God, we open up our calendar and we begin to look at what we have and we begin stressing about what we got to do that day instead of first submitting our day to God. Lord, lead me and guide me. Not my will, but your will be done. Your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. In and through me today, Lord. How many of us are looking for something instant? Because we, we we're scared that God might be delayed. He might forget who we are and where we are. So they build this calf to worship it. Because they needed something. Moses intercedes for Israel. He had broken the tablets. Here in, um, in, in chapters 34, 33 and 34... God didn't lose the master copy, so then he makes another double set of those stones, and he gives those to Moses. Then he gives a whole bunch of instructions on building the tabernacle, and, 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 and they start to build it in verse 35 through 39, and then in chapter 40, we see God's presence filling the tabernacle. There was a cloud that was over it so that they would know it was there. During the day and at night, there was a pillar of fire inside. Everyone camped so that they could see the presence of God. 
It's just like you and I, though. The presence of God is inside of us. It's there. But we can be just like them, even though the presence of God is right at the center of where we are in our being. We can then go and try to find these other things, this instant gratification. Even though God is taking us from one place, from bondage to freedom, and it's victorious. And I think if you and I look back, what he's already taking us out of is a miracle. What he's already delivered you from. The way that the things that happened to you because of the family you were born in and and what took place maybe in the area you were raised. It is a miracle that you are where you are today. That God is already setting a new path, a new trajectory for your life. God's presence is with us. Praise team, you guys can come up. So God wants to dwell with his people. Say it, God wants to dwell with me. He wants to dwell with us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is Peter that's talking. He says, and he's going back and he's saying, but this is what he's saying to the people right here. You are a chosen people. So I want to say this to you. I want us to believe this. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. He wants to dwell with us. But we got to remember that our rebellion can get in the way. But that doesn't mean that we're pushed off forever. What it means is we need to learn how to come to his presence. We need to learn how to come and prepare our hearts. We need to learn how to come. As Moses even went and interceded on behalf of the Israelites, we need to learn how to go and intercede before God for ourselves. You see that in Genesis The way that the Israelites, it's an example for us. The way they reacted to the freedom God gave and the promises God gave. They had some faith in it, but they also took matters into their own hands and did some really weird stuff. In Exodus, we see how we handle going from, from bondage and we struggle with trusting God. So thinking through, what are you choosing to dwell on and complain about instead of trusting God? There is always going to be enough for you and I to complain about. There is always going to be enough for us to dwell on that's negative. We don't have to look very far. We don't have to look really hard. So let's pop the bubble that none of us are brilliant because we found something to complain about. It's there. It's more, can we choose to dwell on the goodness of God? Can we choose to actually have faith and trust in his goodness and where he's taking us? Then looking at where are we getting impatient and creating our own instant gratification? Psalms 51, verse 16 through 17. David's crying out to God for repentance, for forgiveness. 
And it says, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Will you stand to your feet if you're able? I want to tell you this morning that God is not looking for you to bring him a sacrifice. Some, some, something you're holding on to. He's looking for us to bring him a broken heart, a contrite spirit to say, Lord, I'm here for you. God, I wanna, I'm presenting myself. I'm not just bringing this thing that I pulled from my home. God, I'm coming and I'm getting up on the altar and I'm saying I'm the sacrifice. God, I'm yours. We're gonna go into a time now of, of heart prep. Then we're gonna go into a time of worship and praise and the ushers came up and they put communion in the back. As you go into the, maybe the first, the second song, you wait until you feel like you've prepared your heart. And then you go take communion on your own, at your own time. You're gonna grab the cracker, you're gonna grab the juice. What's it represent? It represents Christ's broken body in his shed blood for you and I. This might be your first time into a church or maybe you, you've kind of shown up here or there, but you've never really said, Jesus, I want you to be the leader of my life. I want you to be my king. God, I want, I want to follow you with a pure heart. Man, what an amazing time right now just to say, as we go into this first song, Lord, I wanna meet with you. God, I want you to come dwell in me. I wanna, I wanna feel that, 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 that cloud, your, your presence. I wanna know what that feels like. God, I wanna accept the gift of your salvation. In life, you and I have gone through and there's been those that have and those that are the have-nots. And most likely many of us in this room feel like we are the have-nots. What I wanna tell you right now is that in the kingdom of God that there is no haves and have-nots. There's not, he wants to come and dwell with every single one of us. So don't believe for a second that he only wants to dwell with the person to your left or to your right. He wants to come and dwell with you. So right where you're at, however you want to, whatever posture of prayer you wanna be in, will you begin just your own conversation with God? Your own response to God, Lord, I'm here to meet with you. Lord, I don't wanna take your presence for granted. God, I believe that your desire has always been to dwell with your people. And this morning, God, I wanna say that I want to dwell with you. I don't wanna miss what you're doing. I don't wanna miss your presence. God, I don't wanna be so concerned with what's happening after the service where, where even though I can see your presence, I run out. But let's just pray right now to our own prayer, our own sacrifice, and bring ourselves before God.